Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. Praise the Lord. Bible's up. That is a sound of Sunday school. Bible's up. It's what we did before a sword drill. And you had to put your Bible up in the air. So Bible's up. And then they give a, a scripture and the first one to find it would jump to their feet and read it out loud. And uh, my friend and I growing up in Sunday school, we were both, uh, and they divide boys on this side, girls on that side. And uh, because we sat together, they had to separate us because we, were, we would defeat the boys. So we were fast. We were slightly competitive. <laughs> and uh, I like stars, don't you? Everybody like getting a star and get a star by my name. It was fantastic. And uh, Bible's up. Praise the Lord. And what a, what a wonderful thing to grow up in the Word of God. What a wonderful thing. If you were watching last week, and you can catch it online, I did part one of some Bible hows. I'm going to talk some more this morning about some Bible hows. And just as we get going, I, I want to talk a little bit about growing up in, in church. Not everybody does. And, and sometimes people think that there's an advantage to growing up in a Christian family. And I'd say there are some. But God's so good, it doesn't matter where you begin. It matters what you retain. It matters how you have put it in your life. And well, they were so lucky. They grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my life was like this, and it was horrible, and it went from one horrible thing to another. Everybody sins. Growing up in church isn't an excuse to bypass the cross. I still had to accept Jesus as my Savior. Yeah. Growing up in church didn't save me. Amen. And you know, there were some other things as I grew up because I was reading the Bible and I see there's a, some young, one of our young men here. Um, he's reading at a phenomenal level. And that was the kind of thing. I didn't know that King James le, uh, Bible was, was grade 12 reading level. Now they, I think they consider it now university level. I memorized and was reading it when I was six and seven years old. And so are some of our young ones in Sunday school. I just thought that was normal. As I got older and was reading my Bible diligently every day, because that's what I was taught to do, I found some scriptures and I thought to myself, why well, don't measure up there? Things like this, be holy as I am holy. And then I'd make a list of why that was never going to happen in my life. That's why we want to talk about Bible house. Those were unreachable, out of touch. Then there were some other scriptures that as, as a young now, young married and, and expecting our first child, we were in a home group and they were talking about leadership and building up godly leaders with great uh, uh, character and things like this. And they turned to Timothy and there were these lists, lists and formulas almost. This is what a leader should be like. And it gave this list. And I thought, well, that'll let me out. 
I feel called to be a leader in the body, but I'll never make that list. And you know, both of those things are true. I will never be holy on my own. I will never make that list on my own. I always wanted to try and tick the list and see if I could make one or two of them. But it never worked. And I found out that the house of holiness, the house of good character, were way easier than I ever made them. I had to get I out of the way. And yielding allowed Holy Spirit to work in my life. So if you're sitting there thinking, well, I'll never be as holy as pastor. Don't be holy like me. Be holy like God. God will work it in you. Amen? Yeah. Isn't that comforting? I think so. One of the things I talked about last week was understanding. Now, I get it. Lots of times we repeat things, especially in church, and I know that Pastor Ann with her kindergarten class repeats things a lot. When our children were small, I repeated things a lot. Sometimes in church, we repeat things a lot. That's because we're a little thick. We need to hear it and hear it and hear it. And even the first time, I would, uh, there are times that I thought, well, I agree with that, and I believe that. Let's go on. I found out later I didn't really believe it as much as I thought I did. Talking really fast, did you follow? Amen. So I, I mentioned this last week. We were talking about a scripture in Mark where he's talking about the leaven and the, the Pharisees right after he's just fed everybody, and he says in verse 21 of Mark 8, how is it that you do not understand? How is it that you do not understand? We're going to go from there today. How is it that you do not understand? Now, some of this may feel familiar, but I want to say this to you this morning. If he's saying, how is it that you do not understand, it means something. <laughs> it means they don't get it, but it also means something else. It means everything was there so that you should understand. Everything was there to help you get it. Everything was made available for your understanding to be enlightened. Everything was there. Jesus would never say, why don't you get it if there wasn't an opportunity to get it? Right? He wouldn't be that way. He's Jesus meek and mild. No, he said those things directly because we need to hear them directly. Lots of times we feel that Jesus meek and mild meant he had a bush around everything he spoke. And he spoke it so diplomatically, no one understood what he was saying. But that's not why they didn't understand. It was clear. It was pretty plain. What was the plain message? I provide. When there wasn't anything, I provided. There was a couple of fish and a few loaves, and I fed 5,000. Do you think that I could manage, you know, 10 more? Do you think that if I fed people food, and I say, beware of the Pharisees. Do you think he's a voice you could trust? I wasn't talking about bread. I'm You know, the bread thing was done. Right? So his ability to correct us is a good thing. And he loves us. And, and Jesus, meek and mild, doesn't mean he's going to make it so flowery, so full of ice cream with little specks and lovely stuff and sauce. Here, just take this little piece. It'll go in easy. You'll enjoy it. It'll be a blessing. 
slide the truth in, all covered up in fuzzy stuff. That's not how our understanding works. <laughs> we don't get it. I have noticed this thing. If we try to dress up truth, no one gets it anyway. Even when you speak truth, there are some who just go, um, that seems overly easy. When you complicate it, I might get it. <laughs> so understanding is easy. It's not complicated, and everything that is necessary for your understanding to grow is provided. Good. Sound good? Sound happy? Happy, happy, happy. Yes, no, maybe so. It's really hard when you're not responding because you're on the other side of this camera. But I get it. I'm just going to believe you did. Amen? <laughs> I, I, uh, let's turn to Acts chapter 7 because I like this. I like this story. He's talking in Acts chapter 7, verse 23, it says, talking about Moses. When he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing, um, verse Acts 7, 23, now I'm at 24, seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended them and avenged him that was oppressed and killed the Egyptian. Now you got to know that there's a place where when we see our brother and sister hurt, there's a place where your pastor kind of can get irritated. I don't like to see my family and my church family and people I love. I don't like to see them hurt. And I can occasionally do things. That grizzly bear part of the mama comes out and was like, don't touch my sheep, you know. But that's, you know, just me, right? No one has ever got offended for anybody else's sake. And verse 25, he supposed his brethren would have understood how God by his hand would deliver them, but they didn't get it. You see, he thought because God's mighty hand was on him and everybody was supposed to know that, it was supposed to be evidently clear. The message was easy. It was clear, and he thought because it was clear to him, and he thought that because it was evidenced to others that he was a leader, I mean, he should have been killed at two years old, and he wasn't. And then he got raised in, in a place where he got better education than everybody else. You'd think they'd know, my, that must have been the hand of God. His very own mother got to be his nurse back in the in the. Egyptian home. I mean, how did God work all that out? It had to be God because it was two crazy circumstances to just all kind of fall together, right? Oh, well, all those circumstances, they just fall together because we believe in yin-yang. Or the Big Bang or luck or any of those things. So he thought, because of all these circumstances lining up, that it was pretty evident that he was supposed to be the leader and that all of his brethren, the Israelites, would get it. And they didn't. They didn't get it. And so he gets stuck in this place, and he's like, why don't, why don't you understand? And again, we're at that place. Why, why, why don't you understand? Why don't you get it? Are we that thick? Sometimes, yeah. Why don't we get things? How is it we don't understand? How is it these things get so stuck in us? I primarily think it's because our focus is ourself and not the other. <laughs> because just when I, our children are in their teenage years and they're going through those things that sometimes happens, especially to girls more than fellas, but it does happen to fellas, they just don't talk about it like girls do. And, oh, so-and-so doesn't like me. I think they don't like me. They didn't talk about me. They look funny at me. And now it's like that was, we didn't have Facebook then. And 
now it's I hear them. Oh, I got unfriended. I got refriended. I got unfriended. I got unfriended. Oh, they're on Instagram. Oh, they're this, that, the other, and all those things that I don't know anything about. Some of it I do, but most of it. And they're back and forth and back and forth. And I said to them one day, I said, you know, that friend that you think doesn't like you is so concerned about what they think and their own self that they don't even know you exist. And I'm like, that's not very fair, Mom. But it was the truth. Because every one of them was so worried about what everybody thought that they were concerned about themselves and not what everybody else thought. and what They didn't even have the space in their minds to consider you. Because all could, they could see in the mirror was themselves. And that's a great, well, not great, but a place why we don't understand what God tries to say. Because when we look, we see ourselves, Just like with myself looking at all the places I didn't measure. When we feel we do not measure, we block understanding. And it's the truth. It's what happens all the time. When I really believe something, I'll have actions that show that. Many times now, Pastor uh, Jason talked about faith, and that was a great example this morning. I loved it about Alex paying for his house. It was so good. And you see, sometimes when we've tried to operate in faith, because understanding is a groundwork for faith to work, sometimes we think, well, I'm going to add works to my faith. So we're saying, I believe this particular Bible verse here. It says, I'm going to cast my care upon him for he cares for you, something like that. I'm going to, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. So you get out a fishing line and you attach a few paper cares to it. And you begin to cast it with your pretend line because I'm going to add faith to my work. So you get something natural. And you get a piece of paper. You write down all your cares and you begin to cast them with a fishing line. Because surely, I, uh, because if I really believe it, I'm going to start casting things. Well, how many people know that that's ridiculous? Now, if God, you know, put it on your heart and you really had a word from the Lord, I'm not saying that, that you know, maybe he would say something like that. There's days when, when the prophetic operations can look pretty odd, as they did with Ezekiel. But it's not common. Amen. We're not looking to make up an action to prove we're in faith. When I understand, I'll believe. Some interesting scriptures here. Now let's look at John chapter 5 because we're going to unwind this some more. In John chapter 5 in verse 36, it says, But I have a greater witness than that of John for the works which the Father has given me to complete or finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And that's kind of like with Moses. There were works. There was evidence that God was on Moses. There is evidence that God's on your life. But chances of people noticing may be small. Don't let that sway you. Amen? And the Father himself which has sent me has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. You have not his word abiding in you. For whom he sent him, you believe not. Didn't believe John. Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you have life. Okay, it's all there. It's all there. And it's simple. 
The voice of God is there. He's there. The miracles are there as proof, as evidence. But, 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 but. But I know you. Now watch this. That you have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. Now, there are some things that God wants to help people with. And this is one of them. This is one. We are living in an age where there are so many voices, and I've, I've brought this up many times. But it's hard to hear because we are more leaning towards the voices of the earth that we trust than the Heavenly Father's voice, which we cannot see. And while we look sometimes at Pharisees and, and go, well, they were pretty dumb, I, I, don't, I don't say that because I often look at the word and go, this can help me be honest with myself and say, where are the places, God? I've trusted the voices of men more than yours because we all have. Because if it had been the other way, there'd be a harvest of the other way manifest. So here we have today many voices. There's been warnings about voices. There's been prophetic voices that have tried to come and sway people, many of them. As a person growing up in the things of the Lord, I, I knew the call of God in my life. I recognized it. I said yes to it. I didn't understand it. Some of the things I'm glad God didn't tell me till later. Because I thought, oh, that was special. And, uh, but I'm glad that I've said yes. As I said yes, more understanding came. But that doesn't mean the other voices stop. Or they don't try to sway you one side to the other. But I know this as somebody who has learned it maybe the hard way. That the love of God, where his love is, it will anchor me in to his great voice. Every time. His character in the words, in the prophetic voices, hold me. When I was learning about how to flow in the Holy Spirit and the messages, there were certain places. I have a lot of different ministers and whatnot that I've received teaching from, that I listen to, that I've read their books. But there were some that stood out to me that worked in a different way. I was reading a book about John G. Lake healing. Now, he's not alive, and he wasn't alive when I read the books. But there was something in those books that awakened something on the inside. And it's the voice of God spoke through those books into my heart and caused me to wake up. And there are some things that God wants to wake in this generation. We have been riding the coattails of past victories. And that's been 
Nice. Our children, as they're raised, for a time, rides on the blessing of the household. But every person knows there comes a time when they must make decisions for themselves. How to live, how to walk, and what to do with what God has showed them. And the time has come and now is where this generation must begin to walk. Many of us have looked at this time, felt pressure, and at the same moment have known that there is something awaiting us as a generation. There's been something calling. There's been this inner movement, if I can say it that way. There's been a pull by the Holy Ghost, a notice me by the Holy Spirit, where he's been stirring men and women of God. Some people think it was because of the current situations, but God doesn't operate on situation or circumstance. He calls because it is time. He calls because it is his moment. He calls because he knows the beginning and the end. He calls because it is time. And he's been kind to get our attention and say, it is time, but it's time for us to walk and establish this thing. And what is the thing that is is before us. We have heard that it's, we're going to the other side, that there's a purpose on the other side that must be discovered. And I'm telling you by the Spirit of God this morning that what's been waiting on the other side is for us to believe that the Word of God is true, for us to believe push through to have the very promises, the covenant promises of God be manifest to our generation, that we must take hold, that we must embrace it, that it is our time and it is the anointing that has been set on this generation to birth this thing for the people who are alive on the earth right now. It is our time. It is our time. And we have the calling. And we have the anointing. And we are in the right time. And some of you have said, I don't know what this is looking like. I've even said that out of my own mouth. But I have sensed the hand of God. I have heard his voice. I have felt his stirring. And men and women of God, it is our time to stand on it. To believe it. To grab a hold of it. And live it. Birth is never easy. Every time there's been a change of season, every moment that there's come a change has come through birth pains of transition. If we will be people who have heard that voice, the right voice, stayed in his love, we will hear the time, we'll hear the go, and we will know we will know this is our call. That we must hold fast. Yes, we'll see miracles. Yes, the things and the promises that you hope for. But it wasn't because of those who've gone before. It is for us to hang on to. It is our job to believe it for our generation. We've expected it. We've touched it, 
We've handled it some. But I know by the Spirit of God it is birthing. And some of the pain and some of the discomfort that many feel is that call to focus. There are so many things trying to pull to the left and pull to the right. Personal things, some of them necessary, but they don't have to pull you out of the straight and narrow. If it's God, you will operate in all the things that are necessary and be able to stay on the straight and on the narrow. For it is our time to be settled and birth the things, the dreams, the purposes, and the plans he has for today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Prosso Pushina, I pre Catara, I pre nobriga satale, je pre dosto coche, I prata. Oh, I speak strength into this generation, strength from Almighty God, that we will obey, that we'll hear clear and walk strong. Pere, stobrosa, I prastanda, I bregedeste. In John chapter 5 and verse 44, he says, how can you believe? How? How? And verse 47, how shall you believe my words? As our ears are obedient to the right voice. And sometimes that means there are voices that need to shut off. When we're growing and there's a time of growth we need more rest. We need to come into the place of rest. Faith is a place of rest. Trust is a place of rest. Exhortation helps us stay in that place. We must never put down the voice of exhortation. Many people in these last several weeks have come to me and sent me messages of exhortation. They've helped me. As I've been at a time of seeking the Lord and just resting in him for what he has to do. For him working out certain things. And, and those voices, I have said, have blessed me. They bless me. The voice of exhortation is important. We don't push it to the side. If you push it to the side, you won't receive the weight of it. There's glory weight in the voice of exhortation that will help you settle. When you're settled, you'll stay in faith. And the other voices won't shake you. How shall you believe? When you decide to be settled. When you receive the choice in your heart that this is my God. And I will hear him first. I know I can trust this Bible. But I also know that there are people God has placed in my life. Some of them don't have big names, but God knows their name. And they send me scriptures. They send me encouragement. And I am telling you this morning, when you've received those words that say, thank you, you've blessed me. Thank you for praying. Don't push them to the side. Pull them in. Allow them to do the work of exhortation in your life.
Look with me over at Hebrews chapter 3 because some of you need to see this in front of your face, the power of exhortation. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13, you should underline it. It's important. Don't push exhortation to the side. This is a great day. You know, exhortation includes acceptance. It includes it. Exhortation includes acceptance. There is a place where when exhortation comes, you feel accepted in the beloved. It works that. And when you know you're accepted in the beloved, as it talks about in Ephesians chapter 1, when you get that acceptance working in your heart and in your life, it settles you too. You won't be moved by the crazy voices that don't like God. Hebrews 3 Uh, 3.13, but exhort one another daily while it's called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is tricky and it hardens our hearts. It hardens our heart because we try to cover it up. We try to make a way for it to not be seen. Because sometimes of embarrassment or shame, we don't want to admit it. But the greatest freedom comes as we admit it. Exhortation will keep you out of that pattern and keep your ears open and keep you going right to the end. I don't believe that any person's age on the earth has anything to do with the time of God. What do I mean by that? What I'm telling you is it doesn't matter how old you are. If you are alive, you are called to birth what God wants to birth on the earth right now. Amen. Amen. Some people say to me, Pastor, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Let's look at Acts chapter 11. There are a bunch of people here didn't know what to do. This is Peter. He's right after he's been up and down on the roof. Verse 11 says, Behold, immediately there were three men already come into the house where I was sent from Caesarea unto me, and the Spirit bade me go with them. Nothing doubting. We always know when it's doubt. Men's voices are full of it. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, so these had to be men of God encouraging him. We entered into the man's house. He showed us how he'd seen an angel in the house which stood and said, send men to Joppa, call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Who shall tell thee words? Who shall tell thee words? When they're men of God, they'll tell you words. And it's time again that we were men and women of God who spoke by unction of the Holy Ghost instead of unction of flesh. That we're willing to admit it and be clear. You know what? I've spoken from my flesh and so is everybody I've ever met. Even people, lovely prophets, at some point, they may even speak in their flesh again. We don't slay them or stone them like they used to. Aren't you glad? We're called to speak by unction. We're called to come into a place. Holy men of women and God speaking by the Holy Ghost, speaking by him. There was something in these men when they appeared there. The Holy Ghost said, go with him. And there was a solidity to it. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. 
They'll tell you words whereby you and all your house shall be saved. That's what, that's what happened. He said, get ready. Salvation's coming to your house. Get ready. Get ready. And as I began to speak, see, the Holy Ghost went ahead. He prepared them. He prepared them. It's why we have to hear his voice and his leading. Holy Ghost had already set up the scene. And then he comes by unction into this. And of course, of course, when Peter spoke, it was anointed. The Holy Ghost fell on them as he did us. And then he remembered the word of the Lord. How? And he began to put it together. When we understand how, it puts things together. Things we never thought of. Scriptures come to mind. This is how God works. You hear and obey his unction. Things begin to come together. And you go, wow. God's big. God's big. He's still doing what he does. I love the way that God unfolds the word in our hearts. Many times in my life, I've gone back to Romans chapter 5 and had the glory of tribulations working experience in my life. Sometimes the experiences when they first happened, those tribulations were very difficult. And then when something happened again, I went, wait, God got me through the last time. I remembered how God worked. I remembered how I could trust him. I remembered how he worked a different thing in my heart. I remembered how he would bring scriptures up to me. There was a time when our oldest grandson was not doing well and he was in the NICU and he was about two months old. And I had awoken several times in the night and he had been very, very ill and so small, not gaining weight, only about four pounds. Several times I'd wake up praying in the Holy Ghost. And after the third time I thought, I was walking and pacing and I said, Lord, should I go up to the hospital and lay hands on him? And the Holy Ghost reminded me that every prayer we'd prayed so far had been answered. He'd had a hole in his heart. God fixed that. He'd had other things. God fixed that. And I knew at that moment it wouldn't make a difference whether I was standing over them or standing in my bedroom. God was the same. I remembered how. Isn't it time we remembered how? All these times he's had moments and markers in our life. How many times he'd spoken and his word came to pass. When I went to the hospital later that day, after going back to bed because I settled then, I looked at his sheet. He died three times that night. He's 14. And very well, very strong. I remembered how the goodness of God kept me in the love of God. Something. 
So many people come to me over the years and, Pastor, how do we do this? How do we stay in faith? How do we, how do we, how do we, how do we? Think about them when they came after the blind man was healed in uh, John chapter 9. And, and they, they wanted to know, how did this guy's eyes open? How did that work? How many people have come and said, how did that work that when you prayed for so-and-so, they got healed? How did it happen that the power of God flowed through you? To be honest, I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is how he worked in my heart. What I do know is how he changed me. What I do know is how he spoke to me. What I do know is when I settled myself, scriptures I hadn't thought about for a long time would suddenly come to mind. Anybody else? Right? I remembered how. I remembered how he kept me, how he held me, how he brought things to remembrance. And then if anything ever happens again, I'm like, we got this. We got this. And I knew this one thing. In all of the hows that I do not know, and in all of the places, I couldn't even begin to tell you how. I know how to say yes. I know how to say yes. So easy. It's three letters. It's not complicated. It's very easy. Yes. This is what the Bible says. Yes. Oh, was it that easy? Uh-huh. How many of you watching today can say the word yes? Seems. Yes, it's not hard. It's not hard. You remember how that first time when Jesus spoke into your life and you were convicted about the cross and you said yes to salvation? Do you remember that day? Do you remember how he came into your life? Now, I can't tell you. I was four years old, but I knew he always loved me. I knew. I knew the many times I felt afraid he was there. I knew the many times we got in situations he would protect me. Times when I was on the road as a missionary before I was married, we didn't have any food, and God provided. I remembered how he loved me. That's how he did it. Took care of me. Well, I couldn't take care of myself. We had no way of getting money. We didn't have cell phones. <laughs> I was 18 years old. We didn't have even a pager. I know I'm that old, not even a pager. We had telephone booths that you had to wait in line of, and you had to have 10 cents to put one in there. I soon found out how to call, collect. <laughs> but even if they did and they sent money, it would come that day. There was no e-transfers. They still had Western Union, but it'd take about a week, and you had to make sure you were there to collect it, and otherwise somebody else would take it. It wasn't an easy thing to do, to send money. Couldn't send checks. Even if someone, because I was in the United States, if someone had sent me a, a U.S. money order, uh, my idea w was often insufficient to cash it in any bank. I had no choice but to allow God to move in my life, to provide for me. So wonderful. I remember how. I remember how. We need to remember how now.
We need to be aware of his great voice and begin to embrace. What do I mean by that? It's time to say yes. Yes, I believe I am here for a purpose. Maybe you're stuck at home. Well, there's nothing there stopping you from reading your Bible. There is nothing stopping you from praying except yourself. There's nothing from you seeking the Lord. There's nothing stopping you from praying for somebody on the other side of the world. There's nothing stopping you except you. Do you remember how to say yes? It's time to say yes. Some of you are wondering, we've heard all these wonderful prayers today, and they're powerful. We heard about that confidence that we need to walk in. This is one way, just one way. There are many things that I have in my notes today, but I believe I brought you what the Holy Spirit wanted to get in your life. So I'm going to pray for you today in the house. How to say yes, there's more coming. There's more coming. We have a calling to birth for this generation the things and the covenant promises of God. To believe that what he said is true and that we are the ones who need to demonstrate it. Amen? Do you believe the Bible? How is it that you're going to believe it? Shut out the other voices. Focus in. Don't be drawn by them. Remember the goodness of your Lord, how good he's been to you. Pain is a voice that tries to blind you. Experiences. Places you haven't felt like yourself. Well, I don't know what self feels like. Self often tries to have all these kind of feelings we identify with it. I don't, I don't, that whole trip, I don't know. Get off the boat and take another train. Just go a new direction. Don't listen to it. Self always wants to gratify itself and wants to have comfort and pleasing and all of that stuff. Well, I felt bad. Okay. Do you want to stay there? Well, if you don't, be ready to receive. Amen. I will pray for you. Come on. Get up. Get up from your chairs at home and set yourself on receive. Hallelujah. If you pray in tongues, pray in other tongues at home. I speak strength to you in Jesus' name. That His mercy will be clear to you and His grace will abound. Every place where grace felt like it was held back. Some of you felt like, I'm outside of the grace of God. No, you're not. I thank you, Lord, for wisdom to discern lying voices. That they don't have to feel obligated to listen to the lies anymore. I thank you for a great divider that's come. That divides between the truth and a lie. I thank you for your word. Some of you have had words tucked in your heart so long. Let them live again. Let the dreams come alive in the mighty name of Jesus.
and every place that words of men have tried to hold down hope with their words of, of question, that would question the word. Every place where it men's words kind of, oh, do you really believe that? That thing right there. I command you to come to the ground and get underfoot in the name of Jesus. I break your power over people's minds. I thank you for clear minds, clear hope rising in Jesus' name. Hope come alive again. Live, live the word. Let the word of God be stirred this day to your glory and to your honor. Yes, you can. You're appointed to live. You're appointed to live. You're appointed for strength. You're appointed for victory. You're appointed to know, and you're appointed to know how. Today, I speak boldness to every person to say yes to God. Yes, from a deep place. Yes, I'll go. Yes, I'll do. Yes, I'll obey. Hallelujah. Oh, begin to thank Him. Begin to thank Him. Hallelujah. We say yes. We say yes. Mante Ebrisete. We say yes. Protere. Prosendeletis. E pramanda de gest. And I decree that we will again speak as holy men and women of God the things of heaven and this earth. I decree it. Let it be. Oh, let it be. That we will speak as holy men and women of God. Speaking words of heaven and the earth. Let it be. Let it be. Be in Jesus' name. Without apology, with no shame, with no guilt, with strength, with your mighty and power and anointing. I decree change in Jesus' name. We are a people who believe your word. We believe your word. We believe it. Mate ebrete. Hallelujah. Umrate. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mare presto amarete. O prashetere. God loves you. God loves you. Keep saying yes. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.